We're going to continue on with our sermon series, um, looking at how Jesus led, uh, leading like Jesus. Uh, the first week we looked at how Jesus influenced people, and then last week we looked at Jesus as a servant. Uh, and so we're now looking at the focus that Jesus had. And so to begin with, I'm just going to give you a dictionary definition of focus so you understand uh, what it is that I'm talking about, or you try to understand what it is I'm talking about. So focus can mean these two things, to concentrate attention upon the most pressing need. What are you focused upon? And lots of people will focus their attention on the most pressing needs. The second definition, a cause to concentrate on uh, something that people have uh, a heart for, something that people want to do. So they're focused, they're, in a sense, their, their concentration, their attention on those of you who are watching the Olympics at the moment uh, in Tokyo. Uh, that will give you a great example of individual men and women who are focused on something because they're focused on a particular discipline or sport that they have been training for for many many years uh, when it comes to the actual crunch moment of their race or what it is that they are doing you can see the one thing that they all have in common is a focus upon what it is they're going to be doing whether that be running the swimming or any other sport that they are doing there in the Olympics so that gives you sort of a an example of that um, that Jesus had a focus and we're going to look at it this morning because Jesus was incredibly focused in what he was do, going to do and somebody said this and I look at this by means of beginning this this morning the focus is also a matter of deciding what things you are not going to do as much as focusing on the things that you're going to do it's as much focusing on the things that you're not going to do uh, because people are busy or lots of needs come our way and often we have to decide but what it is what is it that we're going to do so we're going to take a look at the focus that Jesus had there were five verses in a story in Luke 9 verse 51 to 56 and it says this now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem he sent messengers before his face and as they went they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw this they said Lord do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did but he turned and rebuked them and said you do not know what manner of spirit you are of for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village as we know Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem this is part of his journey uh, to Jerusalem there are many instances in these five verses where we see the focus of Jesus not just in where he is going physically uh, but what he is going to do spiritually as well we also see the wrong focus that his disciples had as well Jesus never lost sight of the big picture of why he came to earth he was sent to be the savior of mankind Luke 19 verse 10 tells us for he came to seek and to save that which was lost 
He says that's why he came. He kept his focus upon what he had been called to do. It would have been so easy for him to get distracted, to be what people around him wanted him to be. They wanted, some people wanted to encourage him to be a political leader, to uh, sort of rescue Israel from the Romans. Some people wanted him to be a military leader, that he would uh, lead an uprising. And so many people wanted him to be so many different things that it was actually so important for him to keep his focus that actually why he had come to earth and, and what he was going to do. And so the story opens up that actually it says that, that the time had come for him to be received up. And that simply means that this was the beginning of the journey that he sees Jerusalem afar off. And in his mind he sees on the horizon the cross and so there are four things that have to take place uh, as part of his journey, as part of what his focus is on, that, that Jesus had to suffer, that Jesus had to die, they had to rise again, and then Jesus had to ascend. And, and so we see that this is where his focus was. And actually, in, in several times in his story, it tells us that, that he set his face towards Jerusalem. Another Bible translation said that he set his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem, which means that was his focus, that regardless of what everybody else wanted him to do, Jesus was fixed on what he was going to do, and this was the beginning of all that was going to happen. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. And it's so important that we understand that the New Testament and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus fulfills so many Old Testament prophecies. You will have heard me quote this phrase many, many times, that Jesus Christ is the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all God's promises. And Isaiah 50, verse 6 to 7 says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, this is the key, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. As Jesus looks ahead towards Jerusalem, he sees and he knows all that is going to happen. It is the fulfillment of the calling that he has, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and he has this steadfast determination that above everything else his focus is to obey the Lord and follow his way and it says his face was set as hard as flint and you can imagine that determination that he has that as he looks towards something and says my eyes are fixed upon that my face is set like flint as I focus upon what I am called to do and I'm going to fulfill that calling and nothing will turn Jesus aside and it's not in a sense that Jesus hardens his face or he's angry and that's seen in his face it's just that determination that sense of direction that Jesus has as he focuses upon what he's called to do he sees the cross on the horizon and you see in contrast to the disciples attitude he realizes that the cross on the horizon, as Paul writes in Romans 5 verse 8, it's a demonstration of God's love. This is the journey that he is on towards the end to show the greatest demonstration of God's love that there has ever been by going to the cross. That is his focus. You see, we have to be careful that we never see Jesus' death almost as a, as a betrayer's deceit that 
Judas betrayed him or the Sanhedrin uh, falsely accused him or, or it was Pilate's cowardice to release Barabbas or it was the soldiers' nails that were there on the cross. Listen, this was a, there was a time and this was the time there was no coincidence in this. There was no, uh, this was planned. This is what God wanted his son Jesus to do. And Jesus had submitted to the father's will to focus on what he'd been called to do, which is to be the savior of mankind. And we see that in several verses in the New Testament. It's why Paul writes in Romans 5 verse 6, he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, and here it's that phrase, the, the right time. Uh, and that encourages us today, if we're going through difficulties and that we're going through challenges and we're going through things that are unexplained and we think that God has forgotten us or God has given up on us or God has abandoned us, he has not. He says, everything is within God's time. There is his timing and not our timing because we see it even in the journey that his son goes on to the cross that it was just the right time. He says, when we were still powerless, he died for the ungodly. Paul writes it again when he writes in Galatians 4 verse 4 when he, he says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. He said, that gives us sort of security, a confidence, an assurance when it comes to what Jesus was focused on in his journey, that this was the right time. It was the set time. It was the appointed time. Christ knew what he had to go and do. There was no chance or coincidence in this. Nothing unexpected. It was not entangled in a web of injustice. There was the most hardest, most difficult task that lay ahead for Jesus. He sets his face towards the place that he knows he's going to die. Imagine that, he knows what is coming. He knows where the journey ends. He sets his face steadfastly towards that, as almost as the greatest focus that there has ever been in history. God planned this out, why? Because of his infinite love for sinners like you and me. Why did Jesus set his face? Why was he so focused? Why did he see the cross on the horizon? Well, I asked the question, what did he see? Well, he saw us, and he saw the love that he had for us. But we were blocked, weren't we, from God because of sin. So we know that something had to be done. And so Jesus focuses himself and simply says, that's where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm determined to do it. And in John 10, he says this, he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down, speaking of his own life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. No chance, no coincidence. Just the determined focus of a man that is on a mission. A man that has been sent by God to lay down his life as we read in that verse and to take it on again. But we see his focus, but then we see the disciples, they had a different focus. Now we have to be gentle here with the disciples as always because they often teach us lessons that we relate to because often they say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and we can relate to that because that's what we do. They had been given authority and power at the beginning of the chapter 
but their focus was on the destruction of those who rejected Jesus. That they'd gone into the village of Samaritans, we know Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Disciples are there and they're like, they're, they're, Jesus in a sense, it's not, it's not that he doesn't have time for them. His focus is knowing what he doesn't need to do and what he does need to do. So James and John take it upon themselves to say, well, you know, listen, they're rejecting you. I mean, what a prayer. Would you mind if we called down fire from heaven to destroy the village? I mean, is that, is that, that's, the, that's what they're thinking, uh, you know, and, and so we must be careful that their zeal and our zeal does not focus on a harsh and vengeful spirit towards unsaved people who live in darkness and sin. Our danger sometimes when it comes to focus is the longer that we're saved, we forget what it's like to be unsaved. We forget sometimes what it's like to be in darkness. We forget what it's like not to have Jesus in our life. And for many of us, if not all of us, there was a time in our lives we all had that. And so we must show the same grace and humility to those that are not saved, believing that God is going to save them because that was the mission of Jesus Christ, to be the saviour of mankind. You see, their zeal in this story is insensitive. Uh, and it's really out of character with Jesus' objective of saving people because he says it in the last verse, doesn't he? He really says to them, he says, listen, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. There he comes and he says, this is what I'm about. He says, James and John, in their zeal, in, in their passion, in their faith, in a sense, they were there saying, they've rejected you. Can we call fire down from heaven? But they had missed what Jesus had come to do. They had missed whether it had been the way they'd been brought up, whether it had been their own prejudice. You know, it had not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. We know when we read the most famous verse in scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And everybody quotes that verse because everybody knows that verse and we've all learnt it in Sunday school. But I often wish that we had continued on and learned the next verse as well because that often would help us in how we deal with those that are unsaved and those that are still living in darkness because it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the message that we preach, that those are not condemned that those are, still have that opportunity, that God can save them through his son, Jesus Christ. It's why we are here, because we are rescuing people through the power of the gospel, bringing them from darkness to light by the power of the Holy Spirit and what God does in their life. And I know some people's theology, they can't grasp that sometimes, but that's okay. I get mine from the Bible. And so therefore we come to this and we see that this is what Jesus has come to do, to save men's lives, not to destroy them. Because he wants to teach the disciples, listen, he says, with the influence and with the servanthood and now with the focus, the focus is simply on mercy, not judgment. There will be a time of judgment. But at the moment we live in that time of mercy where the message of Jesus Christ preached to all men, to every single man and woman and child. 
is that God can save you. He can rescue you from the pit that you are in. He can take you from darkness to light. You see, God loved the Samaritans and simply wanted this. He wanted them to repent. And he wanted to save them. And that was the mission that he sent his son for. Because no matter how much zeal you have and how much passion you have for what you believe, it must always be accompanied by love and by truth. Warren Wearsby said this, he says, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. The perfect mix, the perfect balance is truth and love together. But how does it help with our focus today? How does it help with the things that we are looking at today? Read this quote and he said this, he said, some things break our hearts, but fix our vision. They fix our focus. Our focus and our attention are often always directed towards those things that sometimes we spend our time on and sometimes we spend our money on. And, and, and so Jesus teaches us a lesson here. And it challenges us in modern Christianity because the danger that we have today is we have a lot of believers that the Christian life shouldn't involve any hardships and shouldn't involve any struggles. And so therefore we should be rescued and delivered from every hardship and every struggle. And you see, the modern Christianity sometimes is about a God who only wants to bless us, only wants to fulfill our destiny. He only wants to see our dreams come true. And the reality is a lot of believers are let down when these things don't happen because the foundation of their lives when it's built on things like this means that when hardships come and trouble comes, he says they do not have anything to build their life and build their walk on. It's asked the question, Jesus does, what are we focused on? What are the things that we are looking at? Our problem, our difficulty, often this. Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. And when he sets his face towards Jerusalem, there's one thing that comes through this story that I see that it's simply an act of surrender. He looks out towards Jerusalem and the only thing he can do is surrender because he's surrendering to the Father's will. He's surrendering to the Father's plan. That he knows that Jerusalem means death. Jerusalem means suffering. It means torture. It means pain before he fulfills what God has called him to do. But he sets his face towards that. And in an act of surrender, that's how he focuses. I tell you us as a church, this is how we focus upon what God wants us to do, how we focus upon the things that, have to, that, that, that God wants to do in our lives, how we focus on the things that God wants to do in our church, is this. We set our face towards where God wants to take us and we surrender. We surrender to set our face. That's what we do. We focus, but we focus by surrendering. Our difficulty, our challenge for us, and I say these things in truth with love, is that we've lost the art of surrendering. We're not focused on anything. What is helping you to grow as a disciple at the moment? How are you praying? What are you reading in the Bible? Where are you serving? And you say, oh, well, Matt, that, that's a challenging question. We're in church. We want to be encouraged. Listen, believe me, this is encouragement. This is encouragement. What are you focused on? 
says, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? What are you surrendering? He says, in that act of surrender by looking ahead and seeing what God has for you, what you are focused on, you can only move towards that by surrendering and saying, God, not my will, God, but your will. Not the things I want to do, God, but your will. He says, when it comes to praying, here we are on Tuesday nights and we pray as a church. Uh, and yet often people will find every sort of reason and some genuine, but some people will find those who say, well, I'm not coming to pray, and we need to pray. We have so many needs in our church at the moment that the only option for those needs, the only thing we can do for those needs is to pray. But you see, if you want to come and pray, you've got to surrender because your focus, if your focus is on praying for the needs of the church, you'll surrender everything else that you've got to do. And I'm telling you the truth in love because it'll help you. And that's what we have to do because we're focused on God doing something. We're focused on praying for the difficult situations and the challenges that we have in church and out in the community. And when we focus on those, we surrender what we want to do for God's will, which is to pray. That's a challenge. That's what I learn and see from this story. See, we can do all sorts of things as a church. We can do all sorts of good as, as a church. But often God is calling us to something more. He's calling us to focus on what he wants us to do, on the plan that he has for us, his will. You know, one of the quotes I have loved over the years is this. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at the things that don't matter. And the challenge that is that we can look sometimes and say, we're often so busy doing everything else that we lose our focus or we don't have the opportunity to surrender because it's not easy to surrender. There's gone of the days in meetings you can ask people to put a hand up and say, there's no point doing that. There isn't any point doing that because surrender is a personal issue that we have before God. Jesus wasn't forming a committee here to set his face towards Jerusalem. It was him alone surrendering his will to the Father. And so for us, it's a challenge. So what are we doing? What's our individual focus? What are we surrendering up? Not that we're worried about failure, but we're worried about succeeding at things at the end of the day don't really matter. He sets his face towards Jerusalem in the direction of what really mattered, the salvation of sinners. Jesus' focus was people. He wanted to love them, to save them, to challenge them, to use them. So we come this morning, and this is a challenging message because the focus has to be, it has to be challenging. But we take it from the illustration of Jesus as he begins to look out and he sees a cross ahead of him. And nothing we surrender will ever come close to what he surrendered when he looked towards Jerusalem. And as we come to the end of our service today, maybe the challenge for us is this. And I wonder if we just bow our head and close our eyes as we just pray. Because this is a challenge. Because the message has to be a challenge. And God, we come before you today, and Father, as our church is full here with people, each with their own individual circumstances and situations and challenges, with family members who are unwell, with people that they know who are dealing with difficult circumstances. Father, even with those people in here who have many, many needs today, 
Father, the challenge that your son teaches us is to fix our focus. But not just to fix our focus anywhere, to fix our focus upon you. And Father, for us today, we come as believers. We come as your children. And Father, for us to focus upon you, we surrender what we want to do and focus on what you would have us do. We surrender our desires and our plans uh, and the, the, the choices that we have made. We surrender them and focus upon you because God, you are the one who is able. You are the one that can deliver. You are the one that can heal. You are the one that can save. You are the one that can, can lead us from darkness to light, from death to life. And God, we thank you for that today. And Father, in each and every person's heart here today, Father, would your Holy Spirit do a work within them. God, begin with me. Fix my focus. Father, help me to surrender. Help me to put into your hands those wrong things that I'm focused on. And Father, let me replace them with the things that you have called me to focus on. So I surrender today, as will others in here today, God. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.